1: Jay Mueller from the Bad Producer Podcast Network, proud home of the Final Word Cricket Podcast. Now, before I turn things over to Adam and Jeff, I want to tell you a little bit about the Bad Producer Network. It's the home of the best podcasts in art, comedy, and sport. Our latest arts podcast is a great piece of journalism by writer and radio guy Justin Smith. The Columnist is a series of stories that are designed to help us understand what's going on in the world, and Justin has done a superb job. Our comedy podcast, Team Effort, featuring Ed Cavley, Ash Williams, and the fantastic Tony Martin, is back. The most recent episode features the one and only Ross Noble. I'd love it if you check these out when you have a minute. You can find them all, badproducerproductions.com. That's enough from me. Here's Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, and the final word.
0: Why should CBUS members have insurance through CBUS Super? Maybe it's because we understand the risks of working in our industries. Maybe it's because we offer cover that is tailored to protect building and construction workers, even those working at heights. Or maybe it's all of these reasons. So why not consider CBUS Super? CBUS, for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, visit cbussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some
2: stories I can tell you.
0: This is the Final Word Cricket Podcast Encore Edition with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon today's the day when we're repackaging our, our interview with Glenn Maxwell Glenn joined the final word last may it would have been Jeff late late May I think it was before the Cricket World Cup started just before they started their campaign and spent an hour with us at their hotel in Bristol uh, it, it's one of the, the best interviews I think we've ever done on the final word Jeff it's, so I'm I'm thrilled that we've uh, we, we've had a chance to yeah dash uh, put a dash of paint on it and uh, and get it ready to go again it's one of
1: the only interviews that we done in a hotel courtyard in Bristol as well um, so that sets it apart you can really get the the ambiance the the soundscape if you will none of that was created in a studio that was authentic that was that was on the street it was you, you can feel the grittiness the integrity uh, it, just in the the sonic presentation of that show
0: it was by the seat of our pants as I mentioned on the on the Monday show Jeff you just made it in time I was sitting in the in the lobby with Glenn beforehand and, and due to a, a, a well I think from memory it was just simply the technology you didn 't have it with you you had to rush back to my house and get the tra- get the tube across London and make it to Paddington and buy another train ticket it was nearly a shambles, but it was all right on the night it was a shambles
1: it was absolutely a shambles i um w- what happened was that we had a train going from King's Cross down to Bristol, which is a, you know a good few hours away and I had to record a different podcast at the Guardian headquarters which is just next to king's cross so i was like fine i'll go in i'll do the guardian show i'll casually stroll across the road hop on the train to bristol and and off i'll go and i did that except i didn't bring our recording equipment with me to the guardian to begin (laughs) with i just left it at your place because in my head i was like well i'm just going into the office to do some work and then got to king's cross and just before i went down the steps to get on the actual train to bristol i was like fuck I do not have the thing that we need to actually record the show, (laughs) meaning we are going to go to Bristol to record a show with no means of recording the show. So then I had to travel back across London to your house, get it, hustle back, and somehow it was a lot of sprinting, a lot of sweating. It was terrible. It was, a, it was not a good day. But um, I got on the train in time and I got there just in time.
0: Yeah, the fact that it was like that when you finally sat down and we were in the courtyard. In fact, we were standing up, weren't we? We were standing up uh, as, as we did it. Uh, we were You were just relieved to be there and I think that sort of comes through in, in the questioning. We <laughs> had a bit of fun with Glenn's um, Google searches, I reckon, was how we did it. So I'm kind I of thought. looking forward to listening back to it like I did with the, the Harsha Bogley Encore a couple of weeks ago because it, it had been a while. You kind of go back and remember that um, the answers that they, they've given were yeah, very forthcoming and very enjoyable. So I hope you get plenty out of that when we come to it. Before uh, we we go to Glenn, we've got a few other bits on the agenda. Uh, we've got some nerd pledge coming up, but first of all, I said on Monday uh, that we were going to have a Zoom live show, and I can confirm that we're having a Zoom live show, Jeff, on the seventh of May, which is. Thursday, so week Thursday I should say from when you'll be listening to this episode I'd expect. Uh, It'll be at 8pm uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time, so Melbourne Time or Sydney Time and it will be with uh, the great Damien Fleming who's been a friend of the show, he listens to the final word, we've of course worked with Flemo on radio and other bits and pieces in, in the cricketing media a fantastic fast bowler, one of my genuine favourite cricketers growing up uh, he's been wonderful to us and we're going to give him the full final word treatment and Jeff um, we plan to do this way back at our first live show in Melbourne uh, in January last year and it, and it fell through at the very last minute and he's been quite helpful in uh, getting us some other guests actually a- along the way but um, this feels like the perfect time, it'll be uh, both of us and, and Flemo in his living room. Yeah, well, it,
1: it'll be us in our respective work spaces. And who would necessarily have thought a few months ago if you'd said we'd, we're going to do a video link hookup with an audience online and that's the way we'll be doing live shows from <laughs> now on. But we will. It'll be easy. You can do it from your couch, from your uh, kitchen table, from the, the quaint covered swing that you have on your back porch that where you, you sit in the evenings and look out over the garden and contemplate your life, your regrets the failures, the triumphs, the mosquitoes that are biting you. You'll be able to tune in and listen to Dee Fleming. Uh, and the easiest way to do it, the simplest way to do it, is to sign up on the patron page because there will be a link there and it will be free and available for everybody who's a patron supporter of the show.
0: Yeah, that's right. So we thought we'd obviously we want to uh, include our patron supporters as much as we can. So if you're already a patron, free. If you want to become a patron and you want to submit a nerd pledge, no better time than to do it now because you'll get free access, uh, again, to to access the the Damien Fleming live show. If you can't, for whatever reason, or you want to pass this on to your friends or you want to bring new people into the show, there will be a link to buy tickets, which we'll have in the show notes and we'll push around on social media. So we've got that existing ticket page from our previous live shows. It'll be eight Australian dollars, which is about four quid or five US, uh, which we'll also put up uh, in order to um, uh, make sure sure that there's an, an option there which is non-patron but as I say uh, it, it's a great opportunity uh, to now jump on the patron page and be part of our lovely little community as I say it's eight o'clock Melbourne times which I figured was good because going through the various time zones Jeff everyone who is in the cricketing world or at least the test playing world should be awake and functioning at eight o'clock p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australian, uh, Australian Eastern time so I mean I, I had a quick look before well, it's 11 o'clock in the UK and Ireland, 11 a.m., 3.30 p.m. in India and Sri Lanka. It's Perfect. midday in Cape Town, midday in Amsterdam. I thought I'd drop them in, even though they're not a test-playing nation, given we were talking about them on the main show a couple of days ago. It's always um, it's, 4.20 in Amsterdam. Indeed it is. Uh, it, it's it's early in, in, in the Caribbean, but you, you, most people, I think, during lockdown are probably awake pretty early anyway. So 6 a.m. in Barbados, I'm 3 kidding. p.m.
1: 6am I still haven't gone to bed in lockdown, let alone (laughs) getting up, but it'll be doable whichever end of the clock you work.
0: Uh, 3pm in Lahore, uh, 2.30 in Kabul if you're one of our Afghanistan listeners, Uh, 2pm in Dubai where Pakistan play a lot of their home test matches, Uh, 10pm in Auckland so some late night shopping for you there in New Zealand and 4pm in Dhaka and Chittagong. So across the test playing spectrum hopefully uh, this timing will work very nicely indeed.
1: That, that sounds just about right. You've you've got the big wall map out with the red strings and the pins and you've, yes. you've got it all together. You've worked out how it's going on. And I think calling it a live show might give one impression, but really what it's going to be is that you get to sit in on an interview that we do. Now, obviously, we do interviews on the show. We put them out. You listen to them and, and mostly enjoy it. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep coming back. But in this case, you'd get to be part of the call. And often we have been doing interviews on video links and so on, especially recently, to make sure that everybody can be in the same place at the same time. So it's you getting access to that? Getting to come along, sit in on the call, uh, see how it happens behind the scenes, where the magic really takes place.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and in keeping with the theme of our previous live shows, they won't go on the podcast feed either. So, if you want to be part of it, that's great. But because we we can yeah we play our shots a bit more, it should be said at the live shows. Uh, so we we elect to uh, just put, so it'll go on the patron page, but it won't go onto the broader podcast stream. So if you're a patron, it's all there for you. Uh, as I say, if you want to put a nerd pledge in, now's the time to do it. If you want to buy a ticket, that's fantastic. Fantastic. the link will be as I say in the show notes all over, all over our social media so if you if you're happy to share that that's fantastic and uh, as I mentioned before this could be a really good time to, to bring some of your mates who, who love cricket into the final word community as well and Jeff uh, I say it's a good time to make a nerd pledge I think we should go through a few of those ourselves right now what time is it
1: it's time for nerd pledge the game of nerds the game of pledges if you're confused by what the hell I mean by this it is the game we play with people on the patron page when they Sign up instead of giving a normal amount of dollars and cents, they give an amount that relates to a cricketing fact or event, and we have to try to work out what it is. Uh, to call back to the ones we had on the previous episode of the show, uh, Matt Boland, we were correct, his $3.62 corresponded to the 3.62 wickets taken in the test career of Daniel Vittori. Uh, farcical says that uh, Adams guess about Glenn Maxwell was farcical but Adam did actually mention another 263 which was the number which was the cap number of Max Walker is that right?
0: Yeah, another Victorian, another Maxie. So Farcical notes that his beloved Melbourne Football Club, uh, of course, um, Max Walker turned out for them before playing international cricket. And he played for Australia for a long time as well. So Farcical wasn't Glenn Maxwell, but it was another Maxie, Maxie Walker. And last but not least from the Monday show, uh, Joseph Brookshaw. He said that we weren't correct with our guest for six nineteen, which was Gareth Batty. But in, in hindsight, he wishes he did have it as Gareth Batty because he enjoyed our response but um, he, instead he, he pointed us towards some bowling figures of, uh, and by upping his pledge to 7-12 and he said that should get you on the right track and it did get me on the right track of course 7-12 for 12 is what Steve Harmison uh, took at Sabina Park in 2004 against the West Indies when they rock and rolled them for 47 it set up England's first series win uh, in the West Indies since 1968 I think most people remember it Jeff for when Michael Vaughan had 8 slips in when uh, Harmison was charged in towards the end of that, and of course Harmison also took six for nineteen against Pakistan a few years later at Manchester. So that was the six nineteen reference there. So uh, we've both worked with Harmy before. He's a lovely fella, um, great person to, to, to chat to and have a beer with. So I'm glad that that he gets a mention too via Joseph Brookshaw. So thanks again. For for your contribution. He signs off with a nice little note here too saying that he, he only started listening to the final word in December when he moved to Sydney. Um, he says it was a rushed move and he was feeling a bit out of place, but our back catalogue kept him company and kept him sane at the time. And as I said to him on, on the message on Patreon, we're glad to have, have been of service through that transition period. And we're, and we're really glad to have you on board as a, a nerd pledger and a patron.
1: So if you're confused about how all of that works, he initially signed up with $6.19, which we translated as six nineteen being the cap number of Gareth Batty, the test cap number. But in fact, it was a 6 four nineteen bowling figures. Then he changed the number to $7-12, which is 4-12 bowling figures. Right. If you <laughs> have understand that, you will understand anything. Let us begin. A couple of fresh numbers. The first in from Christian Karamfiles. And I have to insist at the start of this segment, as I've done a few times, that I do not mess with the order that these come in. It is Purely coincidental and beautifully coincidental that the first number that we have coming up, Christian has sent through $1. 02, $1.02, One oh two. So, tried to work through a few options first. I was mm. thinking, who's made 102? Shitloads of people probably, correct? There have been 124 test scores <laughs> of 102, one of the most... Uh, Frequent centuries. I think we've discussed this number before. Actually, in terms of Sally Malik was the the reigning champion of 102s. He made three 102s, which I thought was just convenient that Sally Malik happened to make the same score over and over again, which is just enough to get you a century, but not enough to win the match. You know, um, just a funny funny coincidence. Uh, he also made the same score twice in ODIs, so five all up for Sally Malik. Dilip Vensaka made it three times in tests. Ross Taylor, three times in ODIs. And Adam, you're a big fan of the South African women's team. You'd be interested to know that Mignon Dupree has a test score of 102, which is not bad considering South Africa have played a total of 12 test matches since 1960. That's their lot in, in the entire history of women's cricket. And the South Africans love 102 because in ODIs, Marazan Cap, Lazelle Lee and Adane
0: Von Nickek have all made it 102s That's fantastic I think Marazane Cap made her 102 with Denae Van Niekerk In the biggest Partnership ever In a women's ODI or something Like that Maybe it's the Biggest for South Africa uh, Back when Marizan was Just establishing Herself as a a Legitimate all-rounder I had a look at Cap numbers So we haven't Done a Pakistani Cap number before But what better Number to go to Than perhaps the Greatest Pakistani Cricketer of all Time Well certainly um, The the most prolific Fast bowler Wazim Akram Was the 102nd Pakistan test Cricketer For India Fruk Engineer um, He was the 102nd Cap for for India. I think he's come up on the show before, Jeff. I can't quite remember why. Maybe it was in one of our live shows. He got a, a Guernsey for something or another.
1: Jim Maxwell loves to bring up Faruk Engineer because he played in the rest of the world eleven when ah, yes, Sobers yes. was doing all kinds of miraculous stuff, and um, and Faruk Engineer was the one Indian player in that world eleven. So he he does come up in the Maxwell reminiscences, um, not Glenn, but Jim. I also had an inkling that this might be to do with Test wickets. Uh, Players with 102 Test Wickets, John Bracewell, Johnny Wardle, Alan Connolly, and Shivlal Yadav. So I don't know if Christian was a, a
0: huge fan of either of those, any of those four. For a different reason, I was looking at world records uh, of, of, of what the world record was in, in test wickets at different intervals. And 102 was the world record at one stage. But anyway, that was be, before the, the turn of the, the 20th century. So we won't go too deeply into that. In the early 20th century, 1932 to be precise, Nawab of Patori uh, made a century, 102, uh, in the Sydney bodyline test match in December 1932. So a nice little quirky one to throw in there. Um, a, a player, yeah, I always like kind of clicking on his, um, clicking on the players of Nathan. That just don't necessarily look like they fit in a scorecard and uh, needless to say, Nawab of Patori doesn't necessarily um, yeah. fit into an English batting card, but I guess that was the, that was the custom at the time for Indian players.
1: Anyone with an of, uh, is, I can't remember if an of is a conjunction or a preposition, but you know, if you've got bits of grammar in your name, then it's it's going to stand out one way or another. But, but having looked through all of those options, when we think about 102, this is the final word. It is the Glenn Maxwell Encore Edition, and there really could be no <laughs> other way, no other number it could be than Glenn Maxwell's highest ODI score, the 102 that he made against Sri Lanka in the World Cup of 2015, when he absolutely pogoed them all around the SCG.
0: Funny you mention that innings, Jeff, because I was taking a look at our second Nerd Pledge number today, which comes from Seb Taylor. Beautiful link. It's 376. And like you say, you would never tamper with the integrity of your spreadsheet. People who know you know that that just wouldn't happen. And by sheer coincidence, 376 is what Australia made on the day that Glenn Maxwell made Australia's... <laughs> far, he made Australia's quickest one day 100 that day. So it was 102 off 53 balls, but he raised the century in 51 deliveries, So that mark still stands for Maxi. And yes, Australia made 376 against Sri Lanka. That was in the World Cup of 2015, also at the SCG. So and there's a little link there between uh, the first number and the second, which I always like on Nerd Pledge.
1: Yeah, and, and I think for that reason, and given it is the Glenn Maxwell episode, and as I was working out the 102, you were working out the 376, and it, it just so happened that they meet beautifully. So we're going to say that's what it is. Seb Taylor, We're going. <laughs> to, you have Australia's score in that match, and Christian Karamfilis, you have Glenn Maxwell's highest ODI score. Let us know, send us a message on Patreon, and you can correct or confirm
0: as you wish. I certainly think it's more likely to be related to Maxwell and that innings in Sydney than it is to be Paul Wilson's cap number he did play Mm. a a test match in 1998 and he was the 376th to do so and you know a bloke called Malcolm Marshall also took 376 caps it could be him but it's all Maxie all the time on the final word and it certainly is today (laughs) as we work our way into the encore edition of our interview with Glenn uh, last May in Bristol. Uh, A reminder again we have the live show, the live Zoom show so jump into the show notes and see the link to that if you're not a patron best possible time to do so jeff how do you do it you
1: go to the website patron.com slash the final word and if you're confused as to why you can't find it because you're typing in p-a-t-r-o-n as is the conventional spelling of patron <laughs> you will find it is not spelt that way it is for reasons that will never become clear to you spelt p-a-t-r-e-o-n some in america call it patreon i guess that could happen if you're completely <laughs> literal in the way you pronounce things. But I like to, to go with the intended spirit of the word. Uh, so, patron.com/ slash the final word. And then you can sign up. You can send us a nerd pledge. We'll do it on the show when we get through those that are still pending. Uh, and you can watch Damien Fleming's interview with us in a couple of weeks' time.
0: That you can. Thanks to Christian. Thanks to Seb. Uh, Jeff, uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, and the next voice you hear, well, well, it'll be our voices, but the voices after, <laughs> probably. I expect I probably introd uh, the interview when we started it. That is certainly my recollection. How often? But after, that, that, would, but would after that, once a week. <laughs> I promise you, after that, it will be none other than, 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 than Glenn James Maxwell. Before we get to Glenn, Jeff, let's talk about some people in cricket who we really like. Bear Cricket, bearcricket.co.uk. We've been talking to them over the last few days about what they do, and we're going to tell you about what they do as well. Uh, They're a cricket retailer, based in West Yorkshire in in England and it was just a reminder when having conversations with them that that cricket will be back. It's beautiful weather here in the UK at the moment, a stunning, striking day as I look out my window right now and and we know that when this crisis is over that we'll be all taking the field again and and we all can't wait to take the field again and and as a result you start thinking about simple things like your bat, your kit, about going out to the nets for the first time, walking out to the middle and, and, and I'm looking forward to personally doing that with Bear Cricket when the time comes. It's important to spell
1: things when we're talking about companies. You know, everybody who heard Seabus for a long time thought that it was a bus that went in the sea. Um, You (laughs) might think of bear cricket as being B-A-R-E, but it's not, in fact, nudist cricket. It's B-E-A-R. It's the large furry animal bear um, cricket. I'm going to guess that it's called that because Adam Brown is the guy who started bear cricket, and I'm guessing it's a brown bear sort of relation, a very commonly well-known bear or respected bear, the brown bear, doesn't Mm. have the sort of headline and billing of the grizzly you know doesn't have the <laughs> glamour of the polar but the brown bear is a fucking solid bear it's a real if, if you want a good reliable bear that is not going to let you down black bears a bit you know i mean bit small bit flighty they tend to get up trees and so on the brown bear stays
0: on the ground solid doesn't mess around of the bats they make, there's the black bear, uh, there's the three bears, there's the Kodiak bear, and there's the polar bear. So, no brown mm-hmm. bear yet, but you know, in, in due course, maybe a, a brown bear bat can be something you can develop with uh, the bear cricket guys. Um, so, that they, they were set up to provide handcrafted English willow bats that were grown and manufactured in the UK from private forests and then turn them into blades that you get at an affordable price. So, a, a solid alternative to the mass manufactured cricket bats. These are made with large and care, and that's the spirit they run the company as well. So they're, they're really keen on everyone who, who works with them and buys their products to be part of their family and share and celebrate their success with them in, on social media and in person and all the rest of it. So there is that great touch, and that's really really shone through when talking to them in the last few days. This isn't sort of some behemoth of a company. It's it's a very hands-on operation. Each of their products still are designed by um, high-level cricket professionals and coaches with heaps of experience with, with making kit with equipment, with top-level performance and so on to make sure that the bats are fit for purpose all the way through from junior ranks through to senior ranks. And indeed, Jeff, the professional game. There are professionals playing in county cricket at the moment who are aligned to bear cricket. If uh,
1: if I had a private forest, I would probably get into nudist cricket um, because <laughs> why not? You could if you wanted to. Um, Sonny Munn almost does. He plays in a pair of shorts and that's it. No shoes, no shirt, no service. <laughs> um it, it, it might seem exposing, but it, it, there's a, there's a level of freedom as well. Uh, Tamal Mills is one of the players with bare cricket. They're more known for his bowling than his batting, but does send the ball down at, at terrifying speeds. Uh, they've got the Warwickshire captain, Will Rhodes, is one of their players. Uh, the Yorkshire wicketkeeper, Johnny Tattersall, gets lucky, buys a ticket. <laughs> Often it comes off. They they use the kit because they like it because it's. Um, I, I guess if you're using kit that you know someone has paid a lot of attention to. That's it. Made it. They've made it by hand. They've designed it really carefully. They've um, you know updated it as they go along to make sure that they've got everything tweaked just right. And and you know there's there's enough love and care and and. You know, Nonna's love has gone into these pads. These haven't been churned out at the... This isn't a 64 slices of all American cheese style Mm. pair of cricket pads or pair of gloves or genital protector or, you know, all of the kit. Everything that they've done to protect you playing cricket uh, nude or clothed has been thought through
0: and I mentioned it's, it's affordable prices and it really is compared to some of the bigger manufacturers and we're also uh, today talking about a discount you can get through the final word so if you go to mm. bearcricket.co.uk and at the, at the purchase bar if you like pop in final word very straightforward no complicated code here final word is all you need Ten percent off. So I strongly, if you are sort of like me, I've been sitting around quite a bit thinking about the, you know the resumption of the season. I mentioned on the weekly show uh, on Monday how I've been lapping the Southgate Cricket Club in, in recent days. Well, I mean, if this is probably the time to, to stock up on your kit, the 2019 range is there's massive reductions on that at the moment. So if you're looking for something from there, it, it's a good time to collect. And the 2020 it's a range.
1: Year. The 2019, it was a classic year. It was a real vintage year for Bear Cricket. <laughs>
0: well, in many ways it is. If you think about the, uh, you know, when you, when you reflect on 2019 as a cricketing summer, there, there's, there's few better than 2019 for cricket in this country. The 2020 range is out now, of course, as well. So, um, yeah, uh, drop Adam a note, Adam Brown, it runs the show there. Jump on the social media handles as well on Twitter, they're bear underscore cricket. Instagram, bear.cricket. We'll pop them into our show notes as well, as we will uh, the website and the offer code, which is final words. So, Bear Cricket, .co.uk. We're absolutely thrilled to be working with them on the final word, and that is the offer code Final Word.
2: I'm Glenn Maxwell. Make sure you listen to The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Brilliant.
0: Hope you enjoy it. This is the final word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Today we're coming to you from Bristol in the southwest of England, a couple of days before the first game of the 2019 World Cup. We've hiked down here today because we're doing something we've been talking about for a while now. You could say it's part two of a final word trilogy. I'll explain. In January, for our sold out live show at the commercial club in Fitzroy, we presented to you the oral history of Glenn Maxwell. Today we're sitting down with him as he begins his campaign to win the World Cup. Cup for a second time. Now, the reason I say this is part two is that there's another much longer conversation we'd eventually like to have with Glenn. We know the bloke sitting opposite us says what he means and he means what he says. He always answers honestly. With that in mind, on the cusp of a World Cup, that kind of interview could be shall we say, career limiting. So instead we're going to have a different type of conversation. If you listen to the oral history or ever listen to our show over the last four years, you already know Glenn's story back to front. We hope so anyway. However, what is it about him that the people around the world really want to know. So, we consulted Google. Specifically, we took a look at what comes up when typing in Glenn's name into that search engine. What are the most asked questions down the page? So, to pace through this and any number of tangents I'm sure we will follow, we welcome, at long last, to the final word, Glenn Maxwell. Thanks for being with us.
2: Bloody good to be here.
0: Well, before we get into that, the World Cup 2015 was such a pivotal moment in your career where you, on the international stage, whole world watching, you make your first international century, you hold up the World Cup, the world's at your feet. How often do you think about that now in the lead up to the, the total defence?
2: Yeah, I probably think about the lead in to that World Cup probably more than anything. And it was a excruciating, I suppose, couple of months where it was, I probably had doubts whether I would be there. And it was probably similar, I suppose, to probably eight months ago as well I had had doubts whether I'd be here as well so to sort of go through similar paths and, and start to peak at the right time like I did in 2015 it's I suppose a little bit eerily similar but hopefully a bit more success and, and, a, and a potentially a second World Cup In that
1: Sri Lanka game that 100 I think it's my favourite ever celebration in cricket because it's not so much like you're obviously very emotional but Watto is so happy he was happier than he's ever been in his whole career for anything about himself he's like giving you this hug like he's trying to squeeze the last bit of sauce out of the bottle and his helmet's falling off because he's hugging you so hard and he's just beaming this like high like headlight smile out of his face it was it's a beautiful little moment between you two
2: yeah it was and he, he was so good for me during that World Cup uh, someone who I rested a lot on I suppose at different times and the way he was to me as a senior player and as a, as a close friend was was brilliant and to, to be able to share that, that moment out there and, and feel the joy I suppose of him, the excitement that he got out of that, he'd obviously been through a bit of a lean patch as well, he sort of, he was in and out of the side and he'd just come back into that side and, and started to hit the ball really well so I suppose we were both at, at different ends of our careers I suppose at that stage but uh, for him to sort of share in that moment and and yeah we, we embraced for probably a little bit too long um, but yeah I sort of didn't want to sort of turn around and still be crying in front of a camera so that, that was a really special moment and something I'd love to be able to
0: replicate. What is it about Watto that it seems like when you talk to Shane's former teammates there's a bunch of you who are huge Watto loyalists. What is it about his personality that draws you in so close?
2: Oh, he's an extremely intelligent man, that's for sure and uh, he's got so much experience he's been through all the ups and downs of cricket. He has he's had people write him off, doubt him. He's had a lot of people I suppose get on uh, the negative side of him and, he, and he's been able to sort of come out the other side and, and be one of Australia's greatest ever one-day players and and perform so well in every in basically every format so for him to sort of still have that unbelievable humility and that aura around him that is just so approachable and that's what I found I suppose when I came into the squad he was so approachable so easy to talk to and um, was willing to uh, I suppose, give off any wisdom that he had.
1: When you got to that 100, you'd, you'd had a, a 90 against Zimbabwe not long ago, 95 against the England, 88 against Afghanistan, you had a bunch of 90s in the IPL as well. Were you, was it starting to get to you a bit at that point that you hadn't... I mean, I know it's such an arbitrary number and it, do, it shouldn't mean anything, but somehow it does.
2: That, that's right. It, to me, it, it it shouldn't mean anything, and but people kept on bringing it up that I, I'd never had a 100 in, in any format for the country. And to me, it didn't really matter because I felt like my contributions were winning games for the team and I I thought that's all that should really matter and whether I get 99 or 100 it actually doesn't matter too much it's just a I suppose a stat that people look back on and you got X amount of hundreds or I look back at, I suppose, the the contributions that I've made that have helped to help the team get to a, a victory, and I think I don't think we've lost once I've got to ninety. So I think that's a that's a stat that I'm I'm pretty happy with.
0: You said before that people get in your back about things, and that was something that at the time was 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 drawing a bit of interest. How much do you pay attention to? Sometimes the media storm swells around you more than it does other players in world cricket. It really sharpens up. Like, how do you experience that on days when you are headlines around the country, and sometimes even around the world?
2: Yeah, I, I suppose I've gone through different stages of embracing it, hiding away from it you can become I suppose very introverted uh, when you're away on tour you spend a lot of time in your hotel room and there's ample time just to sort of scro- scroll through social media and, and read a bunch of negative stuff and you can get into a pretty dark place at, at different times but I, I suppose I'll be able to read it and actually just sort of sift through it and either take it on board or just let it let it go by but I'm pretty laid back and pretty relaxed about that sort of stuff and people have their opinions and it doesn't really faze me what I know is that my teammates have got my back and uh, that, that's that's probably the main thing that I, I worry about.
0: You said something last year late in the year before the big bash i think it was actually about social media and the influence on mental health of players how it can have a, a pretty big effect when you hit your mentions button then it can be an absolute sewer again what's your experience of how you, how you handle that um do you literally read through your mentions when you, you go well or go poorly or do you have to discipline yourself to not actually read any of that
2: no I, i'm pretty open to reading it but i'm i'm also really good at sort of um, sifting through my my feelings, I'm able to sort of talk pretty openly with other people, and and I know that my support group will always be there for me as well. So I've I've got a really good support group that I can I can fall back on if I am having a tough day or I am um, not exactly going through the greatest patch of form. So to be able to rest on people openly and honestly, and basically put your feelings out there for people to sort of see is um, is something that's probably helped me along the way.
1: We usually try to maintain some degree of impartiality while covering cricket, but we, we give ourselves a couple of exceptions. I think the final word is a place where you can feel safe to express Maxwell enthusiasm, and there have been a, a lot of followers who've come in, they've been drawn into that circle. There's a huge number of people out there who just really fucking love the Maxwell <laughs> you know Are you aware of that, that there's this sort of groundswell of affection for you as a player as well, that there's this really substantial part of the cricket community that wants nothing more than to watch you go about your
2: work? It's actually changed a little bit. Also. I think early days no one really wanted a piece of me i think it was probably most of india were pretty excited when i when i turned up and most of australia were pretty much the opposite so it's, it's been nice to sort of change that over the last couple of years people have been a little bit more i suppose uh, accepting of me and I suppose I've, I've been able to sort of show my personality a bit more and people have been able to take that, but it certainly helps if you're performing a bit for the country and, and playing well. I think as soon as you start to not play well, they certainly jump off board pretty quickly. But people people are still into you. Like,
1: you, you, a couple of years ago, when you weren't even playing in the one-day team, you were running drinks, you were still on all the posters outside the MCG. <laughs> you were, they were, they were, they're using you to sell stuff. Like, you're the marketable guy
2: in that team. I do remember <laughs> a bunch of my mates turning up to the G going, this feels really weird. You're on, you're on all these big flags out of the ground like, there you are, twenty metres tall, and you're not even playing. The
0: same <laughs> but, applied when we were in India a couple of years ago at the start of the test series. When I can't remember what it was called, that bar across the road from the team hotel in Pune, when there was a cocktail named in your honour, when you weren't even in the side at that particular moment. And, like they love you over there. Yeah, as well. I do
2: remember that, the Maxwell cocktail. That's, um, <laughs> I might have had a few. That's probably why I didn't get picked.
0: <laughs> that extends to the way you've conducted yourself in the media as well. I mean, you do these great long form interviews with Jared Waitley on SCN, for example, where I mentioned it kind of as a bit of a throwaway line off the top, but you do just kind of say what you reckon. And and Maybe it's my old political hack hat on here, but people aren't always trained to say what they reckon. They're trained to give a line which will be palatable and not get themselves in strife. But I don't know, how do you feel about the idea that when you do um, give an interview like that, that you are going to be exposed? You're just at peace with that now, that you just believe that what you say is good enough and, and that'll be that?
2: Well, I think I, I put my personality out there and, and, and show that everything I say is pretty genuine and I mean, I mean it from the heart. And people don't really want to hear the fluff. They want to hear the real stuff that actually... Actually, goes on in um, in our minds, in the game. Like opening up about some of your, some of your deepest fears, I suppose, uh, to the public can be quite hard for a cricketer. But to say the truth, it doesn't really bother me too much. I, I think everyone has them and, and if you can open yourself up and, and sort of be personable I think it uh, makes it a bit easier for people to relate to you and makes it easier for people to come up to you in, in public and instead of I suppose getting heckled like from across the road by a couple of drunk guys are actually more more than happy to come over and say hello yeah. although
1: sometimes drunk guy heckling can be you know the Dirk Nannis oh, up <laughs> yeah. to the gasolina yeah the, the, <laughs> the, they have the been the Adelaide <laughs> <laughs> who was just singing Daddy Yankee to Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Nannis he goes
0: to, to la la gasolina, gasolina. <laughs> give me that gasolina <laughs> and I'd say a Dirk club that <laughs> as well he was a he, he was <laughs> He loved that guy. Yeah, he loved uh, unashamedly that Unashamedly so. No, but I think this is quite an interesting vein we've tapped into here. I didn't expect to talk you about serious stuff, but here we are. Like The idea that I'm sure you're media trained to the back teeth. I'm sure you were taught when you start to play for Australia, centrally contracted player, a decade or more now in the professional game, how to get through a media conference with the straightest possible bat and kind of say nothing. But I've never sort of experienced that with you on the other side of the desk. I mean, you just kind of get up there. And I said it before, you just say what you think. And, and surely you must do that with a degree of mindfulness that sometimes it will get you in trouble. But as I say, like you, you've made your mind up almost beforehand that it's, it's a risk you're willing to take.
2: Yeah, I suppose I go in with a, a few key things that I want to talk about and, and you have a few people, I suppose, in the team that you, you really want to pump up and... But I suppose it's about also being honest about it as well and, and like, talking about the impact of what I've had on my career, being really open and honest about that. And I suppose not a lot of people sort of see that sort of thing. Like, they can just sort of see... I suppose, two teammates hugging on the pitch without really knowing any sort of the backstory. So to be able to, I suppose, express yourself and show people that you're actually a real person and not just a a 20-foot-tall flag on the outside of the MCG, (laughs) yeah, it's nice to be able to, I suppose, be a a welcoming and approachable person in public. That's
1: the big gulf, I think, for a lot of people watching sport. It seems like there would be this difficulty in making people realise that you're actually... Just a guy, and that everybody else who's playing is just one as well.
2: Yeah, and I suppose that's the real side of sport there. Uh, what we see when we go to a, g- a game, of, game of cricket, we see the got two teams play, you go away, one team's won a loss. You sort of don't think about the aftermath or how the players sort of are feeling, or the emotions that go through it. I remember the highs and lows that we've had, I suppose, over the last 12 months. I think when we left England Shores last year, it was as bad as it could have been. And then to turn it around when we're leaving India with the tro- with two trophies, uh, with the T20 series and the one-day series, it's the complete opposite. So I suppose the feelings that players go through don't always I suppose shine through in certain interviews, but it's probably something I've been pretty conscious of.
0: Do you sense that things have changed a bit in the last, I guess, what are we now, 17 months since Cape Town, that there is a sense that you need to give more of yourself and this environment around the team has modified a little bit since that kind of flash point in South Africa, across the formats, not just in the test side, but that, you know, generally speaking you are encouraged to, you know, give a bit more and, 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 and so on.
2: Well, I suppose that you, almost going back to the mental health, it's about making sure you're taking care of each other and sort of asking I suppose those questions about, is everyone actually okay? Is everyone thinking straight? Is everyone actually In the right mindset to go to training today or, or go to the gym or whatever it is, just sort of there's so much downtime, and if it, like you just find yourself just your mind just going off into a really strange tangent, so to be actually able to um, look look after each other is something we've done, I think, been really conscious of over the last few months, definitely, and it's just making sure that everyone's is okay.
0: I'm not sure many people behind the curtains see that with professional sportsmen, especially. I guess, batsmen against bowlers and the matchups and, and so forth, how much homework there is for you now. Has that changed a fair bit even in your time as an Australian player? And give us a, just an example of what you might do ahead of a game in this tournament, without specifying a country, but how you might get yourself ready to walk out and bat in front of you know 20,000 people in, in a game that means an awful lot.
2: Yeah, well, I, I like to... I watch a lot of cricket, so I've been watching most of the practice games going on and just sort of flicking between different things there. We also get sent a big... Sort of PowerPoint presentation which has links to footage as well for different players, so we can go through that and click on videos if we want to see their whole spell or, or whatnot. So that that makes things easy for us and it, it puts it all back in our hands to actually get ready. We also organise our own individual meetings with either coaches or uh, I know for us as a spin group, so myself, Adam Zampa, Nathan Lyon, and Shriram, our spin coach, we'll we'll catch up with a bit of footage and and just talk about some of the key matchups that we're going to face, I suppose, for the next game. And it's going to be harder and harder to. Do I suppose when the games do come a bit closer but even just a 10-15 minute chat over a coffee is just good to either mentally refocus for the next game or the next challenge you're about to face I think that could be quite helpful for us going forward
1: There's there's something I've been trying to clear up for, for four years now and you and I have discussed it but maybe we can finally crack it the World Cup trophy is is a a big gold ball, right? And it, and it sort of sits on some stilts. Now, in 2015, when the cameras are in... You know where I'm going with this. I know exactly where you're going with when this. The cameras are in the the dr- inside, isn't when the cameras are in the dressing room, in the background behind the interview, Brad Haddon is studiously pouring a beer over the top of the World Cup trophy, right? And it's like he's... I think in his mind he's saying well, it's a world cup you have to drink beer out of the cup that's what you do when you win a cup you drink out of it yep. that's, but it's a, ball. It's you a ball So he's, but he's really studiously he's like he's trying to figure it out and then about five minutes later another interview's happening and he's in the background and he's doing the same thing again <laughs> with another beer he, <laughs> Did you notice this? Was there a conversation? Did he ask how do we get beer into this cup? Can you cast any light on what was going on?
2: Well, I think at that stage, Brad had had about maybe two or three beers, which would have sent him right over the edge. <laughs> I think um, he wasn't exactly piss fit at that stage of the tournament, so it hit everyone pretty hard. I think we we went we went real hard straight after the game and wanted to celebrate. And I think I think guys were. Kissing the World Cup and like, mm-hmm. so like maybe he was just making it taste a bit better and. Sure, <laughs> Maybe clever. Yeah, maybe may a good idea, I think. A
1: bit of of domestic,
0: um, you know, uh, yeah, just. Yeah, just a bit of on top to make sure it, you know. It's it,
1: cleanliness. I mean, it looks to godliness. Makes sense.
2: It yeah. also was probably a bit of a waste. Like,
1: I mean, they were VBs, I yeah, think, yeah. or Crownies, so it's, you know, it's probably best to pull Are they a sponsor anymore? Or? I don't know. You can have a clue, to be honest. You'll stumble on. over
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's where I will be. I will be careful there. No, no, quite
1: right, quite right. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask Steve Smith, oh, what are you drinking tonight, I'll, I'll just say the sponsor's product. the sponsor's product. <laughs> goodness, <right. laughs> Right, but if it happens again, I mean, is, it, is there going to be
2: more? I'll make sure I'll get in the background <laughs> yeah. and just like hold the walk up and drink the beer properly and just go, uh, you yeah. just or, it. or like hollow it out and put a straw in yes. it. Yes,
0: and here's my clumsy segue. You search your name on Google, first thing that comes up, sure enough, IPL. Right. Which is, you know, a variety of different terms, you know, Glenn Maxwell, IPL. What team is Glenn Maxwell playing in the IPL for in 2019? Who is the best player in the IPL? You come up with that as well, it's quite kind. You you chose not to play this year. So that bat didn't have to necessarily come out um, for the Indian Premier League. That's a big call. I mean, yeah, obviously you're a a wealthy man. You play a lot of professional cricket. But still, you're foregoing a a pretty significant cash, you know, paycheck in a a competition where you've made your name. Talk us through the the, the process of of coming to that conclusion.
2: Yeah, that certainly wasn't an easy decision. And um, I think with everything that happened at the start of last season and I was I suppose I was a little bit frustrated in the fact that I wasn't able to get much first class cricket and I just felt underdone at the start of last year so I I, I sort of took took things out of everyone else's hands and and just gave myself the best option to play as much Red Bull Cricket in England, uh, with a with a view of obviously getting ready for the World Cup as well. Having six one day games with Lancashire in these conditions, playing at Old Trafford, playing on on grounds that we're going to be playing our games at, was priceless, and it's it's comfortably been the best best decision I've made this year. It was it was a hard decision, like obviously it's a it's a, it's a big career move, I suppose, missing out on a, on such a, a lucrative uh, tournament. But I think for hopefully the long run, and hopefully the the Potential opportunities that can open up at, at the back end of this year it, it, it holds me in good stead because I just I haven't been playing enough first class cricket over the last few years and uh, this is the best top chance for me to get it.
0: Yeah, I think you've played if I'm right in saying 61 games of first class cricket over a decade. It's a it's an incongruous uh, line in your stats column, which must frustrate you. That well, not frustrate you, but the, the Lancashire experience was, was one game at the start of the season at Lords when um, caught up with you there when you took your five wickets and you know you were able to remind people that you were you were as much a threat with ball as with bat on your day and then you went into a bunch of white ball cricket. So that wasn't quite the perfect schedule you could have had
2: yeah but I think at the back end of this this season there's still a few opportunities for me to um, play red ball cricket so once the T20's finish um, I've still got a bit of time before I have to be back for Victoria and um, Andrew McDonald's been really good I've been chatting to him about a return date and with our first uh, JLT Cup game in Perth I'm able to go straight there um, after the season so it's not like I'm going to be rushing back for the pre-season where you uh, sort of go back to then go forwards again so it's I'm just going to be going straight from game to game which is perfect and you
1: might actually I'm just trying to think about the schedule there's not so much because there's no ODI cricket at home this summer you might actually be able to get a few shield games
2: extraordinary I've First time in my career that no no white ball cricket in the summer, so it's, it's going to be a strange summer for us, I suppose. With the, I think we've got a 10 days in India you've in the a, middle of January. You've got a January few 20s well. in
1: October, I think, against Sri Lanka, but aside from that, you know, you might actually be able to get a decent shield stint in.
0: Is the pressure off, though? I mean, to an extent, I mean, the fact that you're not being talked about test selection every other minute like it was a couple of years ago do you feel as though if you did go back to Shield Cricket this year if you don't get a chance in August and September in the Ashes this year that you know you'll go back with the best possible opportunity to do what you've been talking about for years which is have a sustained period of Red Bull Cricket
2: yeah and I think you look back at the I suppose two seasons ago when I had a bit of success batting at three for Victoria it was it was actually just nice to play some red ball cricket consistently back to back I got into a nice rhythm scored heap of runs before Christmas and was actually able to finally put some numbers on the board where as you said only 61 first class games in a decade isn't isn't many and I think if you look at anyone that's played for as long as or played over the last 10 years I think I'd probably have the lowest amount for guys that have been available anyway not not injuries but it's been it's been probably too few, few and far between, and and this decision to go to Lancashire was just to basically take it out of everyone else's hands, and hopefully it pays dividends, as I said, at the end of the year.
1: One of the entries on the list, one of the first ones, is Glenn Maxwell. Crick Info. Are you the kind of player who knows your stats, who who looks things up and keeps abreast of things, or do you, do you find it easier just to not think about that too much?
2: No, I, I... I don't think about it too much. I, I suppose strike rate's been something that t- is talked about a lot with me. I like to sort of just see how that's going with like I think it's about one one fifty eight or something, one fifty nine t twenties and about one twenty one in one days. Correct, one twenty one point nine five at present. <laughs> um, <laughs> currently second all time qualification
1: category is minimum of five hundred balls. Right. Andre Russell's got Andre so Russell's about one
2: thirty and he's one thirty. AFL now up there with one thirty, yeah. so he's he's got some.
1: And and Joss Butler is um,
2: creeping up on you one yeah one nineteen now 118. yeah I, I like those sorts of stats because I think they're. I, th- I find them interesting, but as far as averages, I suppose when you're batting the middle order, you can't really worry about it too much. A lot of the time, you're sort of sacrificing your wicket at the back end of the innings, trying to get the team into a better option, uh, like, better position, and it's never really fazed me too much. Really. Yeah, We're
1: kind got of comes- a pop quiz here. Oh, right, so those, yeah. the, those okay. are the top three. Uh, so can you guess who the other two are in the top five? Oh. Neither of them is Brendan McCullum, but one of the it, I do.
0: Oh. I oh, okay. Well, you're a I know
2: Afridi's one. Yep, Afridi's fifth.
1: But who's the other?
0: Who's the other? Uh, rounding out the top five. So it must have faced five hundred balls in T20s internationals in, No, in, or? in one day. Is, oh, sorry, one day. One day we're back there again. Yep. Okay. Um, best strike rate in one days of all time. And it's not McCullum, and you've got Afridi already in him. He, it and Joss it's, is in there.
1: Yeah. So you've got Joss, Dre Russ, Maxwell, Afridi, and as a fifth, as a fifth. Who, who's who's? Well, sorry, Afridi's uh, fifth. So who's fourth?
0: Is it maybe James Faulkner?
1: It's not. Uh, no. It's Lionel Cann who played for Bermuda and faced 502 <laughs> deliveries in one day internationals. <laughs> his high score was 52 and he made one half century that's, <laughs> okay. that's
2: like naming the, the people that average above 50 in yeah. ODI yeah. cricket and Ryan tender that's one right yeah, he's, he's got one of the greatest he? records 60. of all
1: the time right yeah. 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 He's he's got... also his um, hundreds per innings rate is the best besides Virat I think he's, he's about 5 point a... something nice. yeah, I going, I thought he had 100 a every 5 innings, innings. Yeah, that's that's
0: crazy numbers um, I, I say bring him back if Holland were in this World Cup he'd be playing that's for sure absolutely chicken tender Uh, Your your stats, though, I mean, again, it kind of comes back to your lack of first-class cricket, but it's something that people occasionally bash you over the head with. Even last year, there was a conversation about how many hundreds you had made in professional cricket. So you just kind of want to pick up the phone and go, hang on, like, I bet it, often five or six or seven or I, even eight or even eight it, it's been i mean you met 100 from eight in first class cricket famously probably you know your most well-known nerdy hundred is the one where people go back against new south wales how many years ago it was but coming in at six, six for nine, nine. <laughs> um, you must have listened to our life podcast really um but no it, that that is something that people do wallop you about it it must you know, sort of seep through at some level
2: to be honest i don't let it faze me too much and uh, i think having had a number of amazing life experiences and amazing things that i've achieved I, I it doesn't really bother me too much like if if my career ended tomorrow I'd be okay like I'd, I'd be able to find other avenues in my life where I'd, I'd still get the same joy but yeah I'm still extremely proud of everything I've been able to achieve I've got a hundred in every format I've been able to I suppose get my way back into the Australian test side get a hundred in arguably the toughest place to, to score runs as an Australian player so I've been able to achieve some pretty amazing things from I suppose what people thought would have wouldn't have been possible for me so I still have high hopes of getting back into that test side but as I said, I'm I'm pretty proud of what I've achieved.
1: Just quickly on that, you would know you would know who the other player is who's made Shane money Watson. in all format. Oh, yes, yes, together, together <laughs> yeah, forever. Exactly
0: right. Still hugging. <laughs> uh, the next thing it comes up a couple of times. Glenn Maxwell wife, Glenn Maxwell girlfriend.
2: Yep, uh, girlfriend. Um,
1: I, I met your partner at the AB medal. Yeah. Um,
2: I hope you're still together. Otherwise, that's Yeah, gonna be yeah that's very awkward. <laughs> uh, she's 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 coming over in a couple of weeks, which is which is going to be good.
0: Is that? I mean, it's going to sound like a slightly odd question, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, t- taking your girlfriend to the AB medal when you know it's going to end up in the social pages and you know it's going to end up being a bit of a talking point is thats that a conversation you have as a as a couple like are you ready for this um, this it's, kind of attention
2: it's a big thing because she's Indian descent like that's that was probably the biggest thing and like she had like a public a private account on Instagram and because she got dolled up and all the dress and all that sort of stuff she sort of had to go off off um, off private and all of a sudden these people just started like flowing in with comments and so she, that probably hurt her probably more than more than anything like just sort of never been exposed to that before in her life and uh, we've been together uh, over a year and a bit a year and a half now so it's it's been good fun like that for her it's been a, a pretty amazing experience to sort of um, see what I've probably gone through with social media and trying to talk her through that and make sure she's she's okay that's probably the main thing
1: how hard is that then being on the road all the time like trying to maintain a relationship while you have to be away from home for so much of the year
2: well yeah it certainly is difficult and and probably most of the time we did spend together um in the early stages of our relationship was overseas it was i wasn't home very often and um, probably didn't get the, ch- the chance to sort of spend as much time with her as, as I would have liked. So, a lot of time we were sort of travelling and um, and sort of trying to make it work. And uh, it was only when um, I think we, we ha- I had something happen where it was I was just home for a while and uh, we were actually able to make it work. And. That's the only reason our relationship is probably as strong as it is now.
0: Uh, next on the list, less uh, less less um, personally interesting, but all the same, people want to know how old you are. That comes up quite frequently, but that's a bit boring. Yeah, but 30. but, 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 I'll, but I'll, what I'll take from that though is um, there's a lot of debate about when batsmen reach their peak or their prime, and you know what what, what is the period of that? Do you think you've you've kind of are you, are you in the middle of it or is it do you think ahead of you or what, where, how do you frame that up? It's kind of an intangible question in a way, but do you sort of feel as though in, in your own? In your own starts and at the crease that you've never been as in control as you are at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like I've I've had stages in my career where I've batted really well and and been in control. So I think I think I've always sort of felt like I've just sort of gone with the flow and sort of never really been in or out of form. It's just every now and then I'm hitting them hitting them all right and then just keep hitting them all right and then all of a sudden I'm out for ninety odd so.
0: Um, it, it makes us feel much better when you say things like that, I think. Yeah. It, it sounds like such a normal person. Oh, yeah, I'm hitting them all right, then I'm not hitting them all right. Yeah. It, it, it's it reduces the like, game back
2: to what it should be. Well, that's the thing. Like, there's been times where I've felt ordinary, and you get a bit of luck early on, where it might be an umpire's call, DRS decision, or you're you dropped somewhere, and all of a sudden you're away, but all of a sudden when you feel like you're out of form, you someone takes a hanger, average decision, um, and it all seems to go against you, and... Um, I know, I know Finchie sort of So felt like he went through that recently, and um, felt like the uh, Indians were just had a homing beacon on his front knee. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was able to get through that, and uh, as he as he he said to uh, to me, it was he, he just got through a stage where it was um, he, he got to face like a spinner and took him on, hit him for six, and all of a sudden it was just it clicks and you you're back. Well. It Game feels on. like you're back. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. that's right now, now. I remember how to hit the ball again.
0: Aaron Finch, obviously, you two live together and great mates, and um, and, and so on. Uh, how tough is it for you as a mate, not so much a colleague and a teammate, but as a as a pal, watching him go through a trot like that? When you're in the same team, and you know, you just would do anything for him to to get over the hump.
2: Yeah, I think the the hardest thing is how to how to bring it up with him. Is uh, you, you know, he's trying his hardest. You know, he's doing everything he can. He, he was training so hard, and, and as he, he admitted to, he probably overtrained and probably didn't give himself that mental refresh. And that was, a, I suppose, a big learning experience for him, and, and probably happened at the right time as well. Like leading into a World Cup, it's better to have it, I suppose, then and not in the middle of a World Cup where he, he can't find a, a way out of it. But the way he has gone about it since then and uh, been really open and honest with the rest of the group and I suppose that's something that we've always talked about is being honest with each other and um, I know people probably took the, the, the mickey out of elite honesty but it's something that's probably been um, a big thing for him. We never did that.
0: Never, no, we no we, we no never yeah, um, never did I fully respected take that. advantage of the elite honesty weekend. Uh,
1: no, it's um, <laughs> important to be elite in in everything that yeah. you do. Next on the list is Glenn Maxwell height. Are you like w- w- are you, where do you sit in terms of like the perfect physical structure to be a, like a T twenty hitter? You know, in terms of being shorter, in terms of being taller. I think
2: I think I'm about the right height for that. I'm about probably twenty kilos light of what I reckon the ideal t20 performer is i think if you look at andre russell he's probably he's probably what you think of as a t20 machine and yeah i i, I don't understand how i'm able to hit sixes <laughs> like i sort of look in the mirror every morning and go there's the line for Siri? the there's
0: the title of the episode right there it's like
2: it's like that is pathetic that's what you're bringing to the table um i'm terrible in the gym i barely go uh, there was one summer where well, I don't think I went once, um, and I turned up with the Australian side soon after. That he goes, "Oh, how's your gym program?" and I said, "What gym program?" <laughs> um, so I, I, my body shape has never changed, and um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm able to still be pretty flexible and uh, still run fast enough. So um, all you got to do is try and get it just over the rope. So. so
1: you haven't worked it out yet. You don't know how it happens.
2: No, nah, I think it's something to do with golf or my bat swing or. Some Someone thought it was with the hair on my arms or something like that, but <laughs> which is famous, yeah. there's a
1: lot of discussion about your way, forearms. Too, way too much chat yeah. I, I think
2: now, now it always me, comes up now that my my body's on the cricket live app they're just sitting there at the front, and <laughs> they asked me about it, and I said, "Is there any chance you like photoshop those arms I like just <laughs> just with someone normal um, but yeah the, the, when the uh, uniform came out, there was way too much chat about my arms and not enough chat about the uniform, so that was, that was probably not what cricket Australia was looking for. But
1: you've got that link though with Ricky Ponting. I was going to say you're always Ricky Ponting, saying yeah. like Ponting Maxwell, the arm off. You know, that's it's nice to be bracketed with a legend.
2: Yeah, um, and and wrongly so. Um, <laughs> he's he's an absolute champion. He was in there before, and I was just staring at him, as I always do. But. Uh, yeah, we, we, Is that
1: just how it works? Does he wake up in the middle of the night and you're just sitting by his bed just looking at him? Just, oh, just back watching you sleep? Just Ricky. smiling.
2: <laughs> hey mate, how you going? <laughs> um, <no. laughs> Got any tips? Yeah. Just talking to Ricky. Hey mate, do you want to do a film session together? We, that was that was one of the highlights. It was in Mumbai um, 2013. You'd like this. So, like literally, one of the greatest training sessions ever where. Um, John T. Rhodes was the fielding coach and he was hitting balls out to me and Rick who were having a, a stump hitting contest and that was fielding fielding porn right there. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's literally everything I could have dreamed of as a kid like just happening right in front of my eyes. Did
0: you get him? Who, who, won, the, who, won, the, who oh, won the stump I don't know. I think
2: I was sh- like shaking yeah. the whole time, just excited it's giggling. like the dream dinner party yeah. Band, like, who, fielding who, drills. Who are you going to bring to get dinner? Well, who's the three best fielders of all time? Yeah. I'm going to bring um, Andrew Simons, John T. Rhodes <laughs> and Ricky Ponting.
0: It's slips catching it's who had the best glide to third man yeah, yeah, That's true. Right. yeah it's like you used to reading the footy record when you're growing up it was always you know favourite movie Shawshank Redemption who'd you yeah. have around for a dinner party Jack <laughs> Nicholas. Jack Nicholson said one or the other yeah. <laughs> they always Guernsey.
1: Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein. <laughs> got a few gigs <laughs> <kicks. laughs> Mother
0: Teresa um, we've got here uh, uh, I was going to ask you more about your body type and all that but you've done such a better job than we could have done, <laughs> uh, in describing it there um <laughs> It says here Glenn Man- Maxwell, Lancashire, and I assume that's a that's a recency biasing. You've just played there re- in the last couple of months. But what I want to take that was you, you talked about the day after the World Cup when you'd all been on the gas night Before it was actually a press conference the next morning when they announced the squad that went to England. Not you went there, oh, but Rod Marsh. Uncle Rod, 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 Rod Marsh was doing the press conference, and you and James Faulkner weren't taken to England. But I mean, the message was loud and clear. They're not coming to the West Indies. They're not coming to England. But you know, it's a matter of time um, before they're going to be playing consistent Test cricket. We're just going to you know manage them through this stage of of their career. So you didn't go to England that time, but you've been to England consistently thereafter. Whether it's for short-term blast contracts or, I guess, playing in the national side in white ball cricket, you've made the comment before that you feel like England's where you're best suited to play. Which I think most people would assume, given where you've played your international cricket, that that would be India. Yeah. But it's not, is it? It's a misunderstanding in your game that you feel most comfortable when the ball is bouncing and doing a bit.
2: Yeah, I think I've always enjoyed the conditions over here. I don't know, I don't really know why because I think my game is probably more suited if you if you look from the outside to the lower spinning tracks of, of India. But every time I've come over here, I've just I've felt um, just like, a I suppose, a little bit of a different player where I'm able to actually... Uh, play play a bit more naturally not have to sort of take as many risks and the ball actually comes on a little bit nicer and well, I think in India you probably play a slightly more high risk game where the balls spinning you have to take certain risks against spinners to, to be successful and but yeah I, I think looking back I suppose the Yorkshire stint I think that was a that was a big case of why um, I was able to sort of Get that time over here. Finchie broke his foot midway through a stint, and I was supposed to only play the T20s. And once he uh, went home with a broken foot, I took over and, and played the rest of the season and ended up playing a lot of white ball uh, one day cricket and a, a few four day games as well. And um, that the, was a the big Scarborough resi- the, the Scarborough 100, the famous Scarborough 100. Uh, Scarbados. <laughs> we were, we were five, for, five for 60, I reckon, and myself and Adil Rashid put on, I think, 200 150 in about 40 overs. Um, <laughs> Jason Gillespie said to me, this is about three years afterwards as well,
1: so it wasn't a recency thing. He said that's the best innings he's ever seen in cricket.
2: It's nice of him, isn't
1: it? I mean, did he mention it to you?
2: <laughs> yeah, he did. But I, I certainly felt it uh, when I was out there batting. It was it was a time when everything was going terribly wrong for us. I think we got bowled out for 120 in the first innings, then bowled them out for 100. Fifteen or something like that, and when we were five for eighty, it was it was all going the same direction, and I, I just don't I don't remember missing the middle of the bat for the Holens, and uh, to do it against an attack of um, Rushworth, Onions, Hastings, all all up and firing was. Um, is something I remember really fondly.
0: The rhythms of county cricket seem to agree with you, as well. I caught a peek of you singing this song in the in the dressing room at Lords a couple of weeks ago, going fucking mental. I mean, it feels as though you bring something to those uh, dressing rooms, and they they give something back to you.
2: Yeah, they certainly um, they bring out the competitive side of me. That's for sure. I um, I certainly jumped on board the the Lancashire boys and and loved everything they brought to the table with the, with a young squad as well. They were, they were really good as in the fact that they were all really open in coming up asking questions if they had anything I think when you get a young squad sometimes they can be a bit timid they sort of don't want to go talk to the overseas player and but they, they were all full of questions um, all willing to learn and I think that made my time there a lot easier go to trains and you're always able to help someone whether it be with their fielding or, or just talk about one day batting so um, I really enjoyed that part of it
1: I'm interested in the emotional side of that you, you travel around the world you join these different teams you drop in there and it, you know, it might be for a month it might be for two months it might be for a couple of weeks but you have this quite intense experience with with these teammates you maybe achieve something amazing or you have a near miss and you have the hurt of that or whatever it is and you develop a bond in quite a quick space of time or maybe you don't You know, maybe you you have a sort of professional distance but then suddenly you're out of there and you're gone and if you have developed a friendship, then it becomes kind of theoretical after that. You're not likely to see that person much or... Um, I don't know. How is it just landing in those places but then having to up and disappear again all the time?
2: I think uh, I was able to make friends with one of the younger players really quickly. I watched him back in the, in the indoor nets at Loughborough and just loved the way he hit the ball, loved the way he swung. and uh, So I started working with him straight away and just had a chat and he was really open, open to any suggestions I had for him and we became really close and my girlfriend was over there and sort of went on a few double dates and uh, to be able to find, I suppose, a close mate like that straight away and um, find someone that has similar interests was, I suppose, key to me having so much fun over there and being able to sort of have those, I suppose, same uh, conversations of are you okay and like, hey, you're travelling and he was probably the same. He probably had someone who um, had no history with the club, um, was able to sort of be able to uh, be a filter for him to sort of like basically drop any shit he had um, just on me and I was able to sort of um, siphon sort of through it so it was, it, it was I suppose it was nice for him and probably nice for me as well
1: Is it hard to leave that though? Like to suddenly have to alright your you time's up you've got to
2: go? I think the fact that I'm going back there at the end of the season probably makes it easier I think if it was just Carter it's probably a little bit harder you feel like you've probably got unfinished business there I, I left halfway through a tournament where Jake Lehman took over and um, the last few games in the final, so it was a little bit hard there knowing that jeez um, we were sort of building something there we'd won four or five games in a row and uh, in a really good space heading into final. so that was a little bit difficult but um, yeah I suppose that's just the, the way modern sport is yeah
0: kind of bridges nicely to what it's basically the last search topic. There's one here saying, "Will Glenn Maxwell play?" I won't, I won't touch on that because we see we won't get you into in, in, in trouble. But um, where is Glenn Maxwell now? It's like an existential question. <laughs> where is Glenn Maxwell now? Well, right now, I we're, could we're, be we're, anywhere. We're, yeah, it's I could be in the Nong's right now. <laughs> <laughs> it you could be in Nong behind a tax
1: building there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, is it deep in your heart? Are you missing Dandenong at the moment? Uh, Mount Deon, yeah, Dandenong.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People are mixing that up. I, I'll be that mixed up my whole life, Jeff. You should know better than that.
2: Dandenong, Dandenong and Mount Dandenong are two completely, completely different. Completely. Well, I oh, know no. I've, I've been to both of them yeah. <laughs> I, I've only bought uh, drugs in one of them
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> You've only had your life threatened in one of those places as well huh? Yeah let, let's be kind about where I come from uh, So
0: the the um, you know, the question about where you are now which you've just touched on then about the in and outs and whatnot, read we had a lovely little nugget in the piece that you must have been interviewed for with Johnny Pirrick in The Age on the Saturday and I love this bit about well first of all the South Belgrave Cricket Club who are brilliant on Twitter and they're always pumping you up they're absolutely brilliant they're always in, you know, uh, doing the right thing by you when you made that hundred at Ranchi a couple of years back you gave them the signed shirt that you wore in that innings. I saw you tweeting away in one of the games you were playing here when they were in their semi-final or grand final in, in the season just gone. I mean, I don't know if it's common, but that, that a player at your level would still maintain such a deep link to their, their home club. But just talk us through that relationship and why the bond's still so strong.
2: I think I think our family was so deeply built into that that club. So uh, dad was always a part of the board. He was either vice president treasurer, secretary, whatever it is, he was always he was always uh, some part of the board. So my brother was um, vice president for ages, um, captain of the first eleven. Yeah, we just always had such a deep connection with the club. We lived right across the road. We always had the keys to the change rooms if anyone needed them which was great for me had the keys to the Nets always used to go up there and use them and yeah they, they were so good to me they gave me everything every opportunity to, to succeed and uh, gave me the, I suppose the best chance to have a career
0: The other bit in there is that your nickname um, at South Belgrave was Aussie after Aussie Jones in the 97 grand final and yep. I thought when I read that I'm like that is about spot on like we talk about Glenn quite a lot professionally in our jobs and thinking about Aussie Jones. and if I close my eyes think about that, that season in 97 now I'm not a St Kilda supporter you obviously are yep. but seeing the freedom in which he played the game as a young man and the freedom that which you play our sport in, um, there's some nice parallels there.
2: Yeah, I, I, I still remember I reckon I was about nine years old wearing my Aussie Jones jumper and I was on the on the boundary at, at training, it was either a Tuesday or a Thursday night and my brother was out there and um, I just sort of stand on the boundary and throw the balls back whenever it was and uh, <laughs> and because I had Aussie Jones on the back they would just call me Aussie the whole time so that sort of stuck uh, for when I played my first senior game there when I was eleven or twelve, so um, yeah, it, it's, it's a it's a nice story. I still got like my fourth eleven premiership cap. Um, with Aussie written on the side of the hat that's oh, that's it's better
1: than the big show.
2: Why do
1: I,
0: yeah like, well now we oh, know it. it. now that's it's a lot of Aussie a lot of it's Aussie lot of
2: it's a lot of it's 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 actually lot of it's a lot last year or sometime we we ended up at uh, Is it the Watershed Or Water- Waterside Hotel yeah, like The o- other side of um, Street Street or No nah, opposite The footy ground uh, Metricon is it Oh Metricon? right is uh, it? No, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel Opposite Marvel The Dockland Stadium Let's say We're not going to do- promote do- Any do- of, do- any do- of do- the commercial do- Whatever do- do- Whatever do- The Lombo yeah, the, the, the roof. The The Lombo The Savoy. No it's like the Watershed Hotel Or something like that The Waterside Hotel and went over there for a few drinks with some mates, and Aussie Jones was there, and um, Big he came up to me and goes, "Hey, how you going? Like, love watching you on, on um, love watching you play." And I was like, "Yeah, right. Uh, this is interesting." I was like, "I've got a story for you."
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the reverse of never meet your heroes. Yeah, it? So,
2: it, was, it, mean, was, you... it was. It was really strange. Oh, um, you so, should get
1: him to sign that cap.
2: It's funny. I got a few photos with him. He was um, he was well and truly on his way. I think he was, he was playing footy the next day as well. <laughs> he wasn't sure how he was going to get home. I made him late because uh, I made him get an Uber home after the he missed
0: the last oh,
1: train. Beautiful. I still love Aussie Jones. I wasn't a Sneakula supporter either. He was it, great
2: to watch.
0: The way yeah. he
1: take off out of the goal square and just yeah. run the length of the ground. It was that
0: '97 with, with Joel Smith and Aussie Jones. That probably what 19 that year, probably uh, around. Yeah, that, yeah maybe got, 20th. He got lucky. drafted
2: in '95. Right. Yeah.
0: So that was just you know that pivotal stage when you're going to make. It or you're not going to make it. Obviously, St Kilda make the grand final. We haven't. Obviously, St Kilda is not on our list of questions. But how closely do you follow it? I mean, we follow it pretty closely from afar. Do you still, you know, watch the games and track the scores and get down to um, Dockland Stadium whatever it is that you are home? Yeah,
2: whatever the stadium's called it. Um, yeah, I, I get down to the rooms as much as I can and go see the, a few of the guys and um, whenever I'm in, in town and they've been always really welcoming to have me in the in the rooms. Just go and sit there and. Uh, just chat to them while they're doing their recovery and just talk a bunch of garbage with them really and they just, they want to know what's going on in, um, in tour life and uh, because I suppose they're stuck in Australia for a whole season they sort of don't probably see the other side of professional sport, which is, I suppose, on the road all the time.
0: You should get your mate Ricky to sort you out. Wasn't he number one member at North Melbourne for a while there?
2: Yeah, I think, and Warney was number one at the Saints for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah. Pretty possibly, sure. Possibly.
0: You're it's right. in the Eric future, Banner. Eric Banner. Well, Eric Banner. well you, can't really, you can't really knock off Eric Banner. Uh, I'm, I'm not even
2: close. <laughs> 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 if I win another World Cup, maybe.
1: <laughs> but at least it's easy if you go to St Kilda, you're not going to forget anyone's name. They're just Jack. Jack? Yeah, Jack. Yeah,
0: hey, Jack, Jack is, is pretty, JB.
1: They're all JB. <laughs>
0: With the interest of our international listeners at, at front of mind, Jeff, yep. I think that's probably the Enough right way <laughs> for us to close the interview with Clare Maxwell. As I say, hopefully the second of three final web Any further questions, Jeff? Before well, I wind it up, not so much a question, but
1: you may be interested to know, listeners of the podcast, there's there's so much Maxwell backing. They're sending us Maxwell related trivia questions. the numerology segment every they're week. They're clamoring for Maxwell related merchandise. Like there's there's a lot of love out there. Do, I wonder if you have anything to. Send out to
2: those listeners Well there's um, There's a few shirts uh, Getting sold On the streets of India That are spelt With Maxwell on the shirt But they're spelt M-E-X-W-E-L-L I'm (laughs) sure they're on special If anyone wants them (laughs) I must have that
0: shirt.
2: I remember that shirt. maxwell 2014 IPL There was There was plenty of them On the side of the streets There haven't been many since Um yeah, I I love the support I get I suppose from you guys and um and the fans back in Australia. As I said, it doesn't didn't always uh, happen like that in Australia and I had to travel um uh, thirteen hours in a in a plane to get to India uh to sort of get any sort of support. So it's um it's nice to have it back home as well. And, and when you
1: go out to bat in the World Cup, you can know that you, you're carrying a lot of goodwill with you from, from some of these strange and interesting people on the internet who oh, are following along. i tell at, you what, at our
0: yeah. live show, for example, I mean, you know, we did spend an hour talking we, about you and your whole career, so we had we some did, people, the people afterwards. not know, so we rocked
1: up yeah. at the start and said, what we're going to do is do an hour about Glenn Maxwell, and the room cheered. Right. you know, <laughs> The whole room was like, yes, we are here for this. Exactly. Um, very emotionally invested. Um, I, well, I have one last question. Oh, please, be my guest. Can I have a hug? Of oh, course you can. Lovely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, it feels so good!
2: <laughs>
1: just recreating the Wando moment. Oh, what a... I'm not wearing a helmet though. Oh, what a... <laughs> I, I
2: just cried a little
0: bit. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell, it has been an absolute, absolute pleasure having you join us on the final word. Good luck in the World Cup. We'll we'll be there throughout. I'm sure we'll catch you at some stage. I hope you get a chance to celebrate another World Cup victory and continue to bolster your cases to be a three-format player and achieve all you want out of the game.
2: Let's hope so, guys. Cheers.
0: And when
1: you go back upstairs, say, "Man, I just survived a cold impact." Grilling
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hi,
2: I'm Ebony Rainford Brent, and you're listening to The Final Word with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon.
0: This is Final Word, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon. Quickly signing off, uh, thanks again to, to Glenn, way back when, for, for making himself available for that interview. Uh, it was great listening back to it. And just another reminder of what a great bloke he is. I mean, we, we love his cricket. We were attracted to, to Glenn at the very start of all this because we just love the way that he, that he plays the game. But um, every time we get a chance to to spend a, whatever time it is with, with Glenn at various social functions and whatever we do with our job, he's an incredibly impressive guy, as he is across the press conference table and as he certainly was when we talked to him in Bristol.
1: And it was nice as well to remember the hug. It was a good hug. It was <laughs> worth remembering. You know, sometimes you, you get some hugs that are, that are passing they're tangential they're your ship's in the night but you know, that was, that was ships docked yeah. in the same harbour for, for a good length
0: of time. No, that is true. He gives a proper fair income hug. So, uh, Glenn Maxwell, thanks to you. Thanks again to, to Bear Cricket, uh, who are now working with the final word. I mentioned it earlier, but bearcricket.co.uk. Uh, the offer code is final word. That'll all be in the show notes. If you're looking for a bat or anything else, get along to Bear. And, of course, as always, thanks to c Super for having our back. This has been the final word, Encore Edition. We'll be back on, well, Early next week for for the for the usual weekly show. We can't wait for that. Thanks for your company. Thanks to all our patrons for playing Nerd Pledge. Remember the live show's coming up on the seventh of May with Damien Fleming. Um, if you're a patron already, you can come for free. If you're not, there'll also be in the show notes a uh, description as to how you can buy yourself a ticket. I think that's everything, Jeff. You well?
1: It is. It is. Farewell. I love you. Ciao bella.